You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona. It's the 8 o'clock hour, the outdoor living hour. We are talking gardening, landscaping, lawns, anything you want to do on the outside landscape of your home, castle, or cabin. We've got Jay Harper's in the studio with us. And if you'd like to ask your question, it's one 767 rosie for you. You can text questions to 411923 or email info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need a little help with plant or insect identification. Good morning, Mr. Harper. How are you? Very good. Thank good, you. Good, good, Ready for the heat to break? <laughs> well, stay ready. <laughs> I think it's going to be a while yet. But, um, it's, uh, it took a while to get here, but summer when it got here, it made up its mind it was going to be summer, didn't it? It's uh, been pretty warm the last few weeks it does but in the mornings in the early dawn it's starting to get cool well it's and staying I've noticed, darker longer and i've noticed <laughs> uh things aren't growing you know that that spring summer push of growth has all stopped oh yeah so yeah. we've got we've got fall just just right over there it's, it won't <laughs> be long and i'll tell you what if you go to to uh get outside of phoenix and take a drive and yeah, especially if you're going to like half of Phoenix right now, going back and forth to San Diego, you'll see a lot of farmers out there. They're getting those fields ready. You see little puffs of dust off in the distance, and that's a tractor, you know, disking a field or getting a field ready to, to start being prepped to plant. So it it won't be long. It won't be long. So just hang in there and, uh, you know, start thinking about what, what you might want to do this fall and what worked last year, what didn't work, maybe what looks a little tired around the yard this time of year is a good way to, to evaluate your landscape as to, yeah, you know, that plant just isn't quite cut out for that spot, perhaps. Um, so take note, and, uh, you know, before you know it, it'll be here, and we'll be ready to go. And when you're talking about farmers getting ready to plant, what are they going to be planting? What uh, Obviously, we're not going to as a homeowner, I would think we're not going to be putting in cotton. <laughs> we're not going to be doing yeah, well. <laughs> right. Wheat. So these are these are farmers that are going to grow your leafy greens for the winter. Um, so anything from spinach to lettuce to and then broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and spring mix and chard and uh, you know kale and all those leafy greens that we grow. You know, I don't know, 85, 90% of what's consumed in the winter months um, throughout the United States is grown in the Yuma area or and some of it here in the valley um, throughout the winter. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Um, then you got our guys in, in southeast Arizona that, you know, they're, they're going to get ready to harvest corn here pretty quick. Corn is, I was down there the other day and it's, wow, it's, big and tall and looks beautiful and your friend ed curry i stopped by there to see him and his chilies look good and the pecan crop is getting ready to, you know won't be too long pistachios are getting ready to pick so we've got harvest getting ready to happen you know in, in our higher elevation southeast arizona uh, they're 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 right in the start of harvesting grapes in Sonoida and wilcox uh, so harvest in one end and getting ready to plant in another end. And then you got in the middle, you got cotton that's, you know, just about in the middle of its growth. So 
kind of interesting to watch the schedule of, of what's happening, the heartbeat of agriculture around the state. You know, backyard gardeners are, you know, if your garden looks like mine, I've kind of given up. It's just time. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to I'm going to today pull out what's kind of left of the odds and ends of things and start getting, you know, getting the space opened up, getting ready and planning for, you know, what we're going to plant this fall. And we plant, and we've mentioned this many times, but it's just a good way to remember what winter vegetables are. They're the things that you you probably consume the the leaf of, the root of, or maybe part of the stem of. So if you think of... Uh, Carrots, like our friends the Rousseaus grow over here, and you think of the leafy greens that we talked about in Yuma. So lettuces and spinach and chard and carrots and beets and radishes and turnips uh, are, and then broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. All of those are our main cool season winter uh, garden crops that you want to be planting. Now, when you're planting those, I've, I. I never follow the directions on the back of the seed packet. <laughs> okay, because I'm a horrible it's, thinner. It, it's like it's like your uh, what the release form that Rocco was talking about earlier. <laughs> right. Nobody reads those either, right? So we don't read the seed packages. Okay. Well, I read the seed package, and it, you know, you put it at the depth it says and spacing, but it always says come back and thin. I'm a horrible thinner. I'm like, I got it growing. I don't want to pull it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with doing that if if you're growing especially things like carrots or radishes or, and they're too close together, you know, they just won't, they'll get weird shapes or they won't get as big as they should, or they'll start popping up out of the ground because there, there's no room for them to, to grow. One of the most ingenious things I've seen done, you can find carrots this way for sure, for a home gardener is to, if you can find the seeds on tape, they've actually spaced those seeds out and they're on a, a, you know, a biodegradable piece of paper with st- sticky to them. So the seeds are stuck to this tape and you just dig your little trench and you lay that thing out and cover it over and they're pre-spaced for you. It's it's really kind of a neat trick. And the I don't other- know who <clears throat> makes those or how long, but I actually told Scott's Miracle Grow when they brought us out there for a tour and we went yeah. to Ohio and went to farmers. I told them they needed to make gardening easier and you need to put it in a strip paper somebody can just set in the yep. garden and cover. So I I don't know I'm not taking credit for that idea, but I'm glad that see that it's out there because the easier we can make it, the more people are going to do it. And I think it's gonna be Pretty critical. You, you mentioned Rocco. That was a reference to all of us in Southern Arizona who are just joining us. He was our Cowboy College uh, guest in our seven o'clock hour. Was talking about just how many of the farmers and ranchers are owned by fifty-five plus. I mean, it, it's a scary oh, the average number. age of the American farmer is getting real close to sixty years old, and and uh, but there are. I don't know about the ranching side so much, but the, the the farming side, there are a lot of younger people starting now to get in and to come into the industry, which is which is a good thing to see because yeah, it's getting a little getting you know getting rosy in my age. It's, <laughs> you just you don't do what you used to do as well as you used to do it or as fast as you used to do it. But uh, the and other he said that is a scary number mm-hmm. and and it is and one element, but the other one, I think, man, what opportunity for the younger generation? Absolutely, yeah, a lot of. There's a lot of uh, knowledge 
um, uh, that's out there, a lot of proprietary information that you can <laughs> you can pick off of some guys if you can get hooked up with the right place. You know, we talked about thinning. Another little trick to think of, if you take your seeds and, and you put them in like a big mason jar or a coffee can and then mix some potting soil or some sand in there with it, shake it up good, and then those particles of soil or sand act as a, as a spacer, uh, you know, to help separate those seeds. So then you just kind of jiggle those seeds out down your little trench and it's mixed in there with that stuff. And that will help thin it, you know, ahead of time for you or space it out. So you don't have to go back in and thin. Thinning's no fun. No, it's not. It's just, you know, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not, you know, it's kind of seems counterproductive in a way. It's, you know, bending over and plucking plants out of, you know, and deciding how many to leave and not leave and take out and that sort of thing. It's just not a, a real fun thing to do. So if you can uh, kind of avoid that by getting your seeds already spaced out by something, that's that's great. So remember that little coffee can trick with either sand or a mixture of sand and potting soil or just some potting soil in there to space those seeds out. It works pretty well. Join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one for you. Roland and Phoenix is first on the line. Welcome. I hear the radio in the background. He's scrambling. There he is. Yes, sir. How are, how are you guys? Wonderful. Thank you. Good. Hey, I've got a lemon tree that uh, is two years old. It, this spring it was doing great. And it wise about uh, two foot off the ground. One big branch goes to the left, one goes to the right. Some some of the smaller branches on the right side died and fell off, and then I had to cut them off. And then the main branch to the right, that whole thing died. I have no idea why. Hmm. And now down at the bottom where it wise, there's uh, where it wide, there's a smaller branch that it's. Those leaves have dried up, and it's dying. And I'm afraid I'm going to lose the whole thing. you have any idea? Getting water once a week, uh, good water, I don't know what to do. Well, pretty tough, you know, to sit in this seat and try and imagine what might have gone wrong because there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Um, what I would probably do immediately, if you haven't, is depending on how it's planted, would be to get some kind of organic material, some bark, some mulch, something, um, and and put a layer of that around the base of that tree. Just try and cool that soil down, cool the roots down, uh, keep it from drying out so quickly. The other thing I would probably do is get that trunk wrapped or painted. Now that you've lost branches or foliage, um, that that trunk is now even more exposed to sun and and is going to sunburn if it hasn't already. Try and protect that. Um, you might even put a little shade structure over it. You know if it's if it's had that much damage done to it and loss. Um, because what happens is they start this death spiral, as I call it, and you know a little bit dies and you prune it off, and then a little more dies and you prune a little more off and. And it just keeps going. The other thing I would do is not prune anything off until it cools off. 
even that dead leaf, that dead material is kind of shading or keeping the, the, the trunk or the tissue that's next to it a little bit protected. Kind of like when we freeze in the wintertime, we tell people don't prune anything off till you start to see the new growth coming out. That's helping protect that plant uh, from any more subsequent frost or cold weather. So that's, that's probably the best I can tell you to do at this point. And then just hopefully when it cools off, it'll haven't stressed too much. There's not too much damage done to it, and it might regenerate itself. And you don't like to ever lose a tree, but it's a lot easier to lose something that's two years old as yeah. opposed to something that's twenty years old. So right. at least we're not too far into the process. Well, if it the, is work gone, at, the work of getting it, start over. the work of taking it out and planting a new one's a whole lot easier. <laughs> Thought it was appropriate. Getting back to the garden, and today is the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Kind of killing two birds with one stone there, aren't you? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. one 767 4348 That's one 888 for you. Cindy's next on the line. Welcome to the program. How may we help you? Hi. Um, we're having a house a new house built and it's a west our front yard is west facing and we have a bedroom in the front and I'd li- I'd like a recommendation for a small clean evergreen tree that will provide some shade. Well, I'll give you lots of advice on small trees but when you throw clean in there you know that's <laughs> that's, that's that a very subjective uh that's uh, a welder, metal and, worker uh, that'll yeah, make you. How about an awning? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what is going to be? Is it going to be uh, rock or gravel in the area, or what? What? Yes, what? it's going to be. It's going to be granite. Okay, so uh, so probably a something low water or very heat tolerant in a small tree. There's some great choices. Um, some are going to be cleaner or dirtier than others, but there's nothing that's going to be as clean as you want it to be. That's just mm-hmm. that's just life. So Texas ebony is a really nice small tree. It also, uh, you know, might provide some security if it's outside a bedroom window. It's very well thorned, well armed. <laughs> so, okay. Um, desert willow um, would be one um, you might think about. A nice small, yeah, small to medium, more medium sized. Uh, but it, it does a good job of uh, providing summer shade. In the winter, it would have no leaves on it, and it would actually let the sun come through. Uh, cordia is another nice one. Uh, not really all that clean, but it's a it's a great small tree. Uh, Acacia anura uh, is a is a nice small tree. There there's there's a number of them out there. Um, I would encourage you to. Uh, you know, to visit. Where do you live? What part of town are you going to do this in? We're in Chandler. Chandler. You yeah. Know, there's some good nurseries in your area. Treeland, A&P, Desert Horizon. Uh, you know, go take a look and, and get some ideas. And then, you know, kind of drive the neighborhoods, too, and see if you, something catches your eye. Take a picture of it. Yeah, we've done that. A... And I, I'm, what, I, I'd like your opinion on this. One nursery is trying to sell us on a Japanese privet. Okay. Shaped into a tree. Yeah. Um, um, that's a great, 
idea, but being in a graveled area, I think I would shy away from it. I, 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 okay, okay. I, I, it's a, it makes a wonderful small tree. Uh, we see it planted a lot as a hedge, a uh, big, big kind of a hedge, but it can be a big bush or a small tree, either one. But I, okay. I would just kind of hesitate to use it uh, in, in that kind of a setting where there's gravel or granite around it. Okay. What about mastic? I, that's ah, one good. of the trees yes. that suggested. Uh, I, I really like them. Uh, very tough. Uh, probably the clean, you know, it didn't pop into my head. That's generally what happens, but that'd be my, one of your cleanest options. Okay. Uh, and how fast do they grow? Yeah, moderate. They're not, they're not super fast, but I, I wouldn't say they're slow. Um, the, okay. the biggest problem with mastics might be the fact they don't tend to want to grow very straight and they sometimes, you know, kind of want to not stand up as, as good as others. If, if you could tolerate something that's kind of bushy to the ground or maybe even multi-trunked there, um, mm-hmm. that, that would be the best way to try and grow that one, I think. But I love the idea. That, that's a, that's a good one. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. You're welcome. When you talk about fast growing and clean, non-messy, those two really don't go together very Especially often. Especially fast growing, <laughs> yeah, clean. You know, they're, but yeah, the more the more they grow, the faster they grow. The more leaves they're putting on, the more leaves they're losing as they put on new growth. Yes, uh, there's just there's nothing when people say clean. I kind of have an idea what they're looking for, and it just doesn't really exist. Um, so, no, and nothing's ever as clean as you probably want it to be. And even evergreens still molt and turn over new growth and drop leaves. And whether they're quote unquote evergreen or deciduous, they're going to drop all their leaves. They just do it all year long, <laughs> or at certain periods of the year, rather than all at once. So sometimes a deciduous tree is actually clean, not cleaner, but maybe easier to maintain because the mess all happens basically at one time, at one time, <laughs> um, as opposed to just constantly. So something to think about. We appreciate the call. We're going to hit bottom of the hour news break, come back with more of your questions, emails. I think we should probably talk lawn. We're getting close to that transition to winter lawn and have everyone prepared if they're going to do a rye lawn on what to, what to expect and be ready for. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie for you. You know, you playing these old songs. I always wondered: Did they realize when they were creating them? That they were making songs that could stand us half a century and not get old? Every musician will tell you, no way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but it is a testament to a lot of these uh, songs like America and all. that They're still being played 50 years later. It's amazing. Well, a testament to that era, particularly, I think, that uh, I don't, I'm not so sure a lot of what kids are listening to today is going to stand that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I call that disposable pop. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right, let's get to Guy in Queen Creek. He wants to talk about uh, something that is dying he's trying to save. Welcome to the program, sir. How you guys doing this morning? Very good. How can we help can you? Hear you hear me now? 
We can hear you now. I just got some sod, and uh, it was free from a church. Most of it's going green, but some parts are going, like, kind of gray. What can I do to fix that? Water. <laughs> More than likely. Well, it's not cool. I did, like, three times a day, but did I burn some of it? Because some of it's grown really well. well and how long was it rolled maybe up? Maybe the bottom palette. How long was it, it rolled was rolled up? rolled for, like, I got it like two days after they got it, and then we threw it in my truck, and someone's doing really well, and then there's a couple, there's other maybe bottom parts that yeah. just are kind of gray. Yep. Well, you know, sod is, is highly perishable. I mean, if you can imagine, you go into a, we go into a lawn, in, their, in a sod farm's case, it's a very big lawn, and you literally go down just below the, the soil level, and you scrape this stuff off and roll it up, put it on a pallet, and you ship it to a place. And you kind of do that overnight so it's not as hot and it's cooler and there's less stress on it. And it lays on that pallet all rolled up for then maybe two or three days. You know, you've probably left something out on your grass, right, over for a day or when it's hot and see you pull it up and see what happens to that grass, and then you cut the roots off it to boot. So some of it's going to recover. You know, there might be a few places that don't, um, depending on how dried out it got in that process. But if you're watering three times a day, you're probably doing about all you can do. And it's just, you'll, you'll see what regenerates. The nice thing about our our hybrid Bermuda grasses is they do also... Um, fill in from stolons and, and roots and they spread and, you know, so some of those areas will fill in from the surrounding areas that are, that are viable. But, and uh, that might not happen till next spring when the next real growing season hits. Eh, he's got a lot of time yet. You got, you got half of August and all of September and maybe even part of October. So there's, there's a good amount of time and this is really a great time because it's hot, which is what that stuff likes. The humidity gets up a little bit. This is when the Bermuda grasses are, are really at their peak of happiness. Um, and so, you know, it's all, that's all good. Um, one thing I probably wouldn't do is, is plant a winter lawn in that when you're sodding this late. Uh, let, it, let it grow as long as it can grow. Let it go dormant. You know, don't put a competitor right in there on top of it and that sort of thing. So might not be a bad idea this first winter to let it to not have a winter lawn growing in it. But there's really not much else you can do. So I've seen sod do some pretty amazing things when it looked pretty crappy. <laughs> um, it just takes a little while sometimes. A little while and a little water. Yep. Before well, we get... A lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to Garth in Tucson, let's talk about that a little bit further. If somebody is going to be transitioning to a winter lawn, it seems like... Uh, from memory, it was the beginning of September was the start to start planting. That seems to have gotten pushed back. Hopefully, because uh, uh, that's just, just, just too early, especially now that we seem to stay warmer longer into the falls. We seem to, we seem to stay cooler longer into the spring and early summer and hotter longer into the falls, uh, into the fall and winter. Um, I, would, I would not even think about scalping, and, and, and we don't scalp like we used to either we've found that that's not 
the best technique. They're the best practice. Um, Mid-October, I think, is just kind of the really the for for home gardeners. Remember, you're not a golf course. <laughs> you're not trying to get this in in time to capture <laughs> revenues in October when all the people show up from out of town that want to play golf uh, and paid money to do it. And you don't have a crew that can go out there and overseed and patch areas. And I've even seen them paint the lawn green. <laughs> Absolutely. They do some painting. Um, so I would think middle of October is the start. Maybe the end of October is actually optimal um, for a home lawn. And um, so, so right then, now what you ought to be doing is, is trying to get your Bermuda as healthy as you can. Because what you're going to do to it isn't really the best thing to do to it either. Um, so, you know, you're going you're gonna to cut all the growth off and then put a competitor right in on top of it. And there for a period of about a month or six weeks, they're going to both want to grow. Now, this competitor is going to outgrow the Bermuda and shade it out and, and kind of force it into dormancy before the cold weather does. So in, in a perfect world, we would probably let that lawn go dormant you know, might be Thanksgiving time, then plant the winter rye on, and if you on top of it. Take that strategy. You still have to buy your seed in September and October because there won't be any left yeah, by the time could, could November well comes. <laughs> Correct. And the disadvantage of that is then the rye is pretty slow to germinate. Um, but so I, I'm not necessarily advocating that you do that, but I would say at least wait till the middle of October. So right, what you want to be doing right now is is, is probably fertilizing your Bermuda grass one more time. Um, making sure it's watered and healthy and vibrant. And then, you know, just don't do anything different until maybe the very end or middle or end of September. Then you might want to start mowing it a little slower. As the growth slows down, you can start taking it down and gradually lower your mowing uh, to a height where you, where you could look at the lawn and say, okay, the seed can get down past the canopy of the grass and make contact with the soil. And that's about as hard as you want to mow it. We don't advocate taking these lawns right down to the dirt like we used to back in the old day, which is, which is great with me because that's a lot of work. It's dusty. It's nasty. Um, and then you got to worry, but what do I do with Scrapes all these clippings? Scrapes up your blades. Yeah. What do I do with all these clippings, that sort of thing? And don't dethatch. Dethatching should be done in June, not as a method to overseed. And if you're going to plant mid-October, how many weeks prior to that do you shut the water off? Well, I'm not a huge advocate of shutting it off other than to long enough that it's easier to mow to, to get that last short mowing down. So maybe just a few days. All right, let's get to Garth at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. How may we help you, Garth? How you doing, Jay? Oh, I had a question before you launched into lawns about uh, following up on uh, evergreen shade. There's a lepos, which you see the big bushy ones around Tempe, et cetera, et cetera, here as well. And then there's another variety that's supposedly a little bit bushier and does better. Um, there's a natural environment, southwest basin creates shade, something that's... You're talking, that about, pine, you're talking about pine trees. Yeah. Uh, um, well, there, after we, we, we planted nothing but Aleppo pines here, basically, in the 
up until about, I don't know, maybe the mid to late 70s. And then the Elderica pine was brought in. And it's more pine, it's more conical in shape. It doesn't get <clears throat> as broad. Uh, it's more a uniform grower. Probably doesn't get as big. Uh, certainly doesn't get near as wide or have a canopy like an Aleppo pine. That's what you probably see more of now than even Aleppo's are are Elderica pines. <clears throat> and I've heard a lot of the tree growers talking about Afghan pines now. Is that the same or is that a yet another variety of pine? Well, Afghan, uh, so Aleppo is in Syria, right? And Elderica is, uh, are all from that Mediterranean Afghan, area. Afghanistan, Pakistan, Syria, mountainous areas. Um, and that's where they're all from. But um, so that could be what they're talking about. Um, and, and you've got to remember that when we planted a lot of pines here, most people had grass lawns um, or planter beds that were planted with a lot of plantings underneath them. So they got pretty good amounts of water. Um, if you're going to plant them in a gravel area, you got to make sure you got plenty of drippers and you know, they're not necessarily high water use trees, <clears throat> but you want to make sure you're watering them properly as well. We're seeing a lot of stress-related problems with pine trees <clears throat> over the last number of years. And there, there could be a lot of explanations for that. But I think a lot of it just has to do with how we water, with drip watering and not, not near as much water uh, per watering when we're putting water on. Well, we appreciate the call. Hopefully that answered your question. On on the pines, I I do like, uh, and, and we've talked about this a long time. From our property, you look south and you see the White Tank Mountains. Okay. And that's also a vacant lot. Uh-huh. And we keep talking, do we just enjoy this as long as we can until there's the view. eventually uh-huh. a house there? Yeah. Or do we go ahead, I love those horse properties where you see a row of pines on yeah. them. Right. Or do we go ahead and put a row of pines on the south side so at the point the house is there, we're at least looking at trees and not the neighbor. <laughs> well, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, even if you plant now and somebody builds in a few years, you're still going to be behind the curve on that. So if it's ultimately going to be built on, and more than likely, more than likely is, then, and you don't want to see it, then I would say bite the bullet now, because you're still going to have a view for a few years. It's not like those trees, you know, are, are right. going to be instant block uh, of the view. So I would probably get ahead of the game and, and get it done. And to stay true to that you know, three-quarter century old style of, of mm-hmm. Aleppo pines, I was going to go that route. You can hardly find them. Nobody, they all want to oh, sell Aleppo's, the Afghan. Yeah, yeah, the Afghan or Elderica pine is just kind of taken over. Um, and, it, and in reality, it probably does make a better row tree, though, because it does stay more uniform um, in planting. If you go down uh, Cactus Road east of, Scott, east of Hayden, the old Scottsdale Country Club or Starfire now it's called on the south side. Okay. There's a really nice row of Elderica pines that kind of <clears throat> that kind of border semi screen the golf course from Cactus Road. Um, get an idea what that 
probably would look. There, there's a lot of them around, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Let's get to Raymond and see how we can help him this Saturday morning. Well, oh, 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 I'm sorry, Raymond. I don't do that often. I didn't look at the clock first. We can do a lot of things, but we can't stop the clock. We'll come back right after this and go to you. Now we'll get to Raymond. Hello. Go ahead with your question, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I've been, uh, I bought two fruit trees, an orange tree and an apple tree, I like maybe like six, seven months ago. And it seems like whatever I do, they don't want to grow. So I don't know what to do. And they're small still, and I just don't know how to get them to where they need to start growing bigger. Okay. And you planted them how long ago? Sorry. About like six months ago. Okay. How big were they? Do you know? Are they like 5, 10, 15 gallons? Um, they're like, uh, oh, it was like, I think it was a, a 10, uh, oh, no, not even a 10, like maybe one of those five little 15-gallon buckets. Okay. Little ones. But not, the, not a real big one. They're still alive, and they've got leaves on them. Do the leaves have good colors? Everything look good other than they haven't put on new um, growth? No, uh, my apple, a little apple tree. I mean, I it, it has the green leaves, but they're t- it turns yellow. I don't know if I'm over watering it or in the orange tree. Uh, the other day, I know I noticed like maybe a couple weeks ago, I had the little flowers on it, but they fell off. But there's nothing. Yeah, flowering. So I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> they're flowering this time of year. That's generally a sign they're under some kind of stress. They don't, you know, they're not liking what's going on. Um, I, I, you know, it's going to be hard to tell without, you know, that'd be something if you could take some pictures of what they look like, of what the leaves look like, uh, and maybe email them in or send them in to, uh, Romy could tell you how to do that, and then they can, I can get a look at them, and probably we could advise you better by seeing some type of sample. I can tell you right now, though, you know, even even fairly healthy and well-established fruit trees and citrus trees, you are going to have a yellow leaf on them here and there and maybe a little sunburn and, you know, and, and not maybe look their best, you know, when it's 110 or 11 degrees and not any rain. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're going to, our expectations sometimes of things have to be a little more realistic with, based on the conditions that, that they're growing in. If they're hanging in there and putting on a little new growth or, you know, the growth look, most of it looks okay. Don't be a leaf counter. Don't go out there and go, it's got, oh, you know, 10% of the leaves look bad. Well, yeah, they they might always be 10% of the leaves on a tree that don't look the greatest. So um, take some pictures, send them in, and, uh, you know, maybe we can get you steered in the right direction. If if there's a direct, yeah, they may be fine. So, And as... It relates to growing, you know, something that's only been in the ground six months, uh, tree-related, you know, you're not going to see. Well, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, stuff has kind of stopped, and and that's okay. Yeah, we don't care if it's not putting on new growth, you know, when it's 110 degrees. If it's got foliage on it and looks okay. But the caller earlier talked about a tree that was struggling. The one thing I would do, any fairly new planted tree and really any established tree right now is make sure you've got a good layer of some type of compost or mulch around the base of all, especially fruit trees, roses, you know, those plants that are not the most desert-adapted type plants. You can't go wrong, if nothing else, of trying to get, 
you know, some mulch, some cooling to those roots, you know, lower the soil temperature, keep it from drying out as quick. It kind of evens the moisture out. Um, that's not going to hurt a thing. And it's pretty good universal uh, remedy to a lot of our heat stress. And it's probably going to be five years before you're happy with the produce that those trees are producing. First couple of years, you don't see a lot. Uh, citrus, they only produce on old branches. Your apple, they're only going to produce on new branches. But it's going to take a, a handful of years before yeah, of course. you're getting the kind of produce that you see in the grocery store. Correct. Yeah. So hang in there and, and uh, it'll probably be fine. Now, he had mentioned flowering and it made me picturing my orchard. I... What do pecans do? I don't, I've never noticed them flower, but all of a sudden you, you've got, there's the pecan husk. Well, when the, <laughs> when the, when, you know, they lose their leaves in the winter and, mm-hmm. and kind of as they're leafing out or right, maybe just even prior to, it's, it's like a tassel. So okay. you won't notice it. It's, it's, and it's green, so it doesn't stand out. So it kind of mixes in there with the new growth that's, that's coming out. So it's, it's not something that's very noticeable. Now, you guys have been in Arizona a long time. Have you ever noticed two roadrunners hanging out together? Every time I've seen a roadrunner, they're always by themselves. But I have two roadrunners that have been hanging out in our pecan orchard uh, for the last week, and we've got some great pictures. I've never seen two playing together. Have Have you? Well, I, I, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, typically, you say, like you say, though, they're fairly solitary, but... Uh, that's because I think they're out covering large areas of ground hunting. But um, Amanda, because there there's one that's been around for about five years. Uh, so finally we named it Meat Meat. And now you've got two, so one's Meat and the other one's Meat. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I, I thought I got to ask Jade and Dad that this weekend because they've both been in Arizona a long time. Well, you don't, a lot you, you don't see there. coveys or flocks of roadrunners for sure. I mean, yeah. and typically you see one, and I guess maybe I've seen where the, there's one, and then, oh, boom, there's another one not very far away. So maybe they're kind of together, but I think they're pretty solitary hunters. And they've been doing a great job with our grasshoppers. We've got an explosion of grasshoppers this season. I don't know if it was the wet winter or what it was, but I think a lot so. of grasshoppers. I guess like Las Vegas just had... I saw some pictures a few yeah, weeks ago. that's of, right. You know, the, at, at night in the lights and parking lots, just this solid shower of grasshoppers. So. It's not that bad. At the no, no, good. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Harper, for spending your My Saturday pleasure. morning with us. And Been fun. Hope we uh, answered your questions and gave you a little direction on whatever it is you're planning or doing with your landscape and garden. Next is our on-the-house topic, and we've got Pella Window and Door coming in to talk about new innovations and windows and home security. 